0: a reading from the holy gospel according to matthew to you, jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people what is your opinion a man had two sons he went and said to the first my boy you go and work in the vineyard today he answered i will not go but afterwards Thought better of it and went. The man then went and said the same thing to the second, who answered, Certainly, sir. So. But he did not go. Which of the two did the Father's will? The first, they said. Then Jesus said to them, I tell you solemnly, tax collectors and prostitutes are making their way into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you a pattern of true righteousness, but you did not believe him, and yet the tax collectors and prostitutes did. Even after seeing that, you refused to think better of it and believe in him, the gospel of the Lord." To you, Jesus My dear brothers and sisters, the readings are quite interesting. Obviously, Jesus says, What do you think of this? And he gives an example of two sons. The first one, My boy, go and work in the vineyard. And he says, I will not go abruptly. I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it. But then there's a change of heart. Then he does it. The second one, my boy, would you go to the uh, vineyard and do this? Certainly, I will do it. And he never does it. And which one of these two did the will of the father is the question. And so there are a few things I need to unpack here. The first one is, between the two sons, which one am I? The one who agrees to do it and does it? Or the one who is stubborn, refuses, but then changes the mind and does the right thing? The word that speaks for me is metanoia. Metanoia, Thomas of Aquinas defines it and explains it far more greater. He says, not only is it a change of heart, but it is a change of direction. It is a change of attitude. It is a paradigm shift. I was going this direction But having a Damascus experience, go to the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 in verse 17. When the young man came to his senses, when the penny dropped, when he saw things differently, when he had an experience, then he encountered God. It is quite important for me, dear brothers and sisters, to realize that at some stage in our lives, I need to make a fundamental decision to follow Christ. I choose to follow him. I choose to be loyal. I choose to be faithful. I choose to serve And a decision is made against all the choices that are put before me. I choose this over and above the rest. So I go back to the first question, which one am I? The one who says I will do it and then end up not doing it. Or the one who says, I will not do it. But when the new data, when the new evidence, when I know better, I then do things differently. I once made a statement here. If I knew what I know now, would I still be a priest or a religious? And thank God we don't know. And we did not know What do we know now? And we still do not know who we will become. And so there are certain things and certain circumstances where we make decisions based on what we have. Based on the data that I have, I am making this decision. And it's okay. There's nothing as frustrating than someone who cannot make a decision. There's nothing as frustrating than someone who runs away from making decisions because they need to please every other person. I always say, make a decision. If you're right, thank God. If you're wrong, learn from it, move on. Don't sit or stand on the fence. So let's make a decision. Let's do something about it. Then we can move forward. What happened if I have made a wrong decision? That's okay. I used all the data that was available to me at the time. But upon realizing and getting new data, I have a right to reconsult, reconsolidate, and make another decision. Do not be afraid of making a mistake. A person who never makes a mistake never takes any decision. A person who never makes a mistake means their life is stagnant. They are not learning anything. Does God make a mistake? Has God ever made a mistake? Well, the Christian God, no. The philosophical God, no. But the Hebrew God, yes. Go to the book of Genesis. Genesis. Chapter 2, God creates Adam. In verse 18, he realizes it's not good for a man to be alone. In trying to fulfill and feed into the emptiness, the void of Adam, what does God do? He creates all the other animals and he creates them so that Adam can be happy. He presents them to Adam and Adam is happy, but his happiness is short-lived. And Adam goes back into his own miserable self. And God realizes this is not best for Adam. And God is able to say, I want to go back to the drawing board. Because that solution is not the best one for this situation and God puts Adam into sleep and what I call probably the first surgery in the scriptures takes place in the garden of Eden where God is a surgeon and he operates on Adam and he takes the rib and Eve is created how do we know that God the second time he got it correctly because Adam when he opens his eyes Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, he is absolutely excited. Now, if God can make a mistake and own up to you, to it, why can't I do it? Why can't I go back to God and say, I messed up? Why can't I go back to my sister, to my brother, and say, I'm sorry, I misjudged you? I now know the truth. I had believed what I was told about you. I had allowed my wrong lenses to tell me to see you. But once I took them off, I now see you for who you are. There's another element here that speaks to me. Am I flexible? Am I able to change? Change for growth. In philosophy, we argue nothing is constant except change itself. There are some people who are stubborn. They are like a pilot. What I've written, I have written. Even when the new data is into their presence, like, hello, this is the facts. No, I've already said it. It's either my way or no way. And that's dangerous. My dear brothers and sisters, nobody's perfect. I can never be perfect. You can never be perfect. Augustine says this absolutely beautiful our hearts will never find rest until they find it in God. We are all searching, we all have a void. We all have something that we are chasing. And it is God who is the ultimate source. As the Vatican documents put it so beautifully, the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our lives. Christ is the Eucharist. And I therefore say God is the source and the summit of our lives. You go to the preface, our prayer of thanksgiving adds nothing to your greatness even the desire to thank you is itself your gift am i able to change and to become better the last word that i want to tell you i tell you solemnly tax collectors and prostitutes are making their way to the kingdom of god does that shock you It should. It didn't say priests and nuns are making their way into the kingdom of God. It didn't. What would we do if sisters were generous and allowed the prostitutes of the bluff of Montclair, of Berea to join us here? How many of us would be like, How many of us be like, I don't want to be associated with this woman. How many of us are willing to sit with a prostitute and embrace a prostitute who's just came back from job? Prostitutes and sinners are making a liturgical procession into the kingdom of God. There are people in our minds whom we've judged unworthy. In the eyes of God, they've made a change. There's a beautiful Eucharistic prayer when we pray for the dead, those whose faith is known to God alone. Who am I to judge? Pope Francis asked the question. Because the faith of the people is only known to God. May the Virgin Mother of God continue to be with us to protect, to bless, and to guide us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit Amén.